from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, a waste to energy expert reveals Australia is more than 20 years behind Europe in waste management practices. And what exactly is a waste to energy plant and what are its impacts on the environment? It's Saturday, August 8, 2020, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ipswich continues to be in the media spotlight for its waste landfills and the number of proposals for new waste management facilities, mainly in former coal mining areas. One high-profile example is a waste-to-energy plant which will convert non-recyclable waste into about 50 megawatts of baseload power. The proposed site is approximately 10 kilometres from Ipswich CBD at Swanbank. An EIS is being prepared and the proposal was declared a coordinated project by the State Government on June 29, 2020. Associate Professor Prasad Kabarachu from Griffith University has more than 20 years experience in environmental engineering and waste management, which includes waste to energy. I spoke with him earlier today. Thank you for joining Ipswich today, Prasad. Thank you, thank you, Alan. Before I get to the Ipswich proposal, can you explain what a waste to energy plant is and why they are part of waste management globally? Waste management, I think I had to go a little bit backwards. So now, waste management is an integrated part of our society, right? We generate a lot of waste. For instance, in Australia, we generate annually maybe 60 million tons of waste. Now, this waste has to be somehow recycled, reused, or repurposed in a, in a waste hierarchy manner. So, normally, our recycling in Australia is not that efficient, right? The waste that we are producing, maybe only 60% of that waste is actually recycled. And the remaining is actually ending up in uh, landfills. Now, compared to the Australian uh, waste management, Europe has developed, or Europe, US, and, and Japan, they have the one of the uh, best waste management uh, strategies and also technologies. So in Europe, they don't have, uh, they have the legislation that EU landfill legislation, what does it mean that, that you don't send the waste to landfill? The waste that is going to the landfill will be your last option. Right, so that material that cannot be reused, recycled, or repurposed will then go to the landfill for the disposal. Eighty percent is actually recycled, fifteen percent is actually repurposed, and then only two to five percent is actually sent to the landfill. Yeah, correct. That would be vastly different uh, to Australia, then, Prasad. What are our what are our numbers in Australia? Uh, Australia, we are only recycling about. Uh, 40% and then 60% is going to landfill. Vastly different. Well, yeah. the plant being proposed for Ipswich, 
I take is very similar to the ones that are built in Europe, uh, some of them yep. in the in the centre of major cities, and they come with glowing safety endorsements by the companies that uh, operate them. And I yep. think uh, there are about 400 in 23 European countries, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Was there a level of community opposition to the plants in Europe? Uh, I think uh, I, I would say that in the beginning, right? So before the technology actually advanced, every, everyone in Europe or anywhere in Japan or China, China, everywhere, they used to have this kind of uh, what you call not in my backyard, NIMBY attitude means that that you can have a waste energy plant somewhere far but not in my backyard so that's a like like a local attitude but with the advancement in the technology and then bringing awareness and involving involving the locals and educating them or 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 you know uh, disseminating the knowledge uh, so the local community started to accept waste energy policies because it is not that uh, it's more hazardous to have the waste not managed rather than to have a, have a waste energy facility. Nowadays, the waste energy managed uh, technologies are much more uh, efficient. Uh, you don't get any more uh, uh, emissions like dioxins, which are considered as a carcinogenic. Uh, so they are actually taking care. I mean, like you should have it. It's not like a, the, this waste energy plant. It's not like a namesake, they should not have it and then not take care of the emissions, right? So you have to reduce the, take care of all those emissions, treat them in, in downstream process so that you can eliminate all this uh, uh, important like uh, greenhouse gas emissions plus also the the potential uh, carcinogenic like dioxin. Now if you compare this with the landfill, like, okay, so if, you, if you're not doing any uh, waste management practices, and you send the waste to a landfill, then you will re- release a lot of greenhouse gases, right? And now these the greenhouse gases, for example, uh, in, in Australia, we don't actually capture the landfill gas, which is basically methane uh, and carbon dioxide. We are not able to utilize it. We are just flaring it. So, you, so we have a rule that that the methane is 28 times more powerful greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So if you are releasing methane into the atmosphere, uh, that's more dangerous to the global warming because it has more global warming potential than carbon dioxide. So you need to flare it before you release it to the atmosphere. Getting rid of waste around the home in Australia decades ago was an old 44-gallon drum in the backyard. Now, can, yeah. can this proposed plant be called an incinerator because the image we conjure up when we hear the word yeah. incinerator is that old backyard smoky thing? Yeah. That's what in 90s and 30s, we do have that kind of stigma associated with this incinerator, right? Everyone used to think that that uh, burning, just burning uh, waste is like uh, more or less, uh, you know, having a household barbecue or something. But, but now I think we have advanced this technology that we are able to contain, I mean, all these uh, emissions and also treat them. So that's the downstream. Down so you must ensure that it's not just uh, burning all the trash in in the in the open incinerators, but also and it's a dermal it's a dermal process. Okay, it's a dermal process where you are gasifying and producing these gases that can be used to burn and then 
generate heat and then using this heat to uh, produce steam and then turn the steam turbine and generate electricity. Another word that's bandied about uh, by opponents of a waste to energy plant is the word toxic. Uh, It's a very emotive word, very strong word. Can danger be ruled out 100% and what's actually emitted from a waste to energy plant? I wouldn't say that, uh, that, you know, it's like almost like if you think that you have a nuclear power plant, how, how safe we are. I mean, we can't watch at, at anything. Anything can happen, but, but the, the, what they call the, the, the plant management should ensure that, that it is safe, right? You're not emitting any, uh, any carcinogenic compounds, like especially the dioxin. Um, those things into the environment without any pretreatment. So we, we we are basically using this as a kind of a recurring energy, right? But not that you should not even uh, break down the the hierarchy of the waste management. That is that that uh, you you don't grab the the materials that can be recyclable or repurposed. So that that's a the competition in the future would be that now we already have a recycling industry, right? Mm-hmm. And then this recycling industry should not be affected because of the waste energy industry coming into the picture. Now, waste energy will be very greedy because they have to design their their technology or, or processes. And for the future, they have to assure that there's a guaranteed supply of this raw material that is waste and that is the lucrative thing the more the waste they get the more money they can make but if you are having several now I think I, I think in Australia planning a proposal for like 30 waste energy plants right three have been already granted the permission uh, one in Western Australia and I think one in New South Wales and one in in Victoria I think at least these three are on the way, and then now Queensland also got. So, so they will actually grab the waste. Yeah, we have fought hard to get the public support for recycling, and then I want that government ensures that recycling is still maintained as a policy priority. So, so that they should not. Otherwise, the future is like we are looking at the circular economy. I think you must have heard this circular economy. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah, so that means that waste is reused again and again, not a linear economy where you just produce something, use it, and then dispose it, and mostly it's ending up in landfill. But if it is a circular economy, we want to keep up. So like what Europe have, 80% of the material is actually recycled, right? The one that that is not able to recycle, they will just send it to the landfill. Prasad, how many years behind Europe are we in terms of changing that equation oh, we, oh my god yeah, we, are, we are like 25 to 30 years behind the best country for this is netherlands right now yes. netherlands they also have they also started just like us there's nothing uh what is called uh, different like what we are now okay so in early 90s netherlands had its own uh, waste crisis so basically they had a uh, you know rubbish in front of them, and then the, there were no new landfill to, to take care of that. So then the, the Dutch government started to think of, oh, well, we need to have a kind of a new policy. 
So then they had decided that, okay, we need to have a proper waste management because they have limited land. Okay, I think you know, Netherlands is a small country yes. with 20 million people. It's a small country. Land is so valuable that, that they don't want to end up everything like a landfill. So, so you have to see how the, the policies will come. So they first started to come from back end, like the landfill tax. That means that if you want to send your waste to a landfill, you must pay, let's say, 200 euros per ton of waste. Now, what happens then? When you have that kind of policy, then people will start to think that, okay, how we can actually avoid producing waste that has to, that will be ending, ending up in the landfill. Okay, then they, they got hold of the second one is to, to reduce the uh, number of landfills. And then now you, you have to really tightening up. Okay, so, so in Europe, you don't have any, what you call, uh, a number of landfills has to be reduced by 90%. Okay? So that means that you, maybe in the country, they'll have one or two major landfills listed. So this is the and Netherlands. They reduced their landfills by 90%. In a whole Europe, I'm talking about. Whole right. Europe. And okay. So, yeah, yeah. The EU landfill directive is that strong that you have to reduce your waste going to the landfill and also reduce the number of landfills per country. So then, then it, uh, it actually gave birth to the proper attractive recycling policy with an economic incentive. So, so the tax for the landfill was introduced. And then after that, then they started to say that the organic waste has to be completely reused, right? So then they started to do the separation. So now they started to educate the locals or residents to separate their waste at home. So the organic waste, the food waste or garden waste, everything will be separated into one bin. And then you have, you won't believe, you will never even dream in Australia, but there will be seven bins in total to separate your waste. Seven two, bins? Yeah. <laughs> I think so some of us bins. have trouble with two. Yeah, that's what two itself is crazy for us. So seven bins means that you, you at home you have the, your two bins, major bins. The so one is for the bio waste. The other one is something that you can't, recycling like you know like a wrapper mm-hmm. there on the chocolate or something so then you have within 500 meters from your home okay so yeah. they will have a kind of a, for each uh, suburb right they should have at least i don't know because you hear our suburbs are so big but uh, because i was living in finland and denmark so so we have we can only walk maximum 300 meters from your home to dispose this remaining five uh, waste. So that is the glass, paper, and then cardboard, metal. Then you have the other one, incentives for returning those, uh, what do you call your beer cans and, and the wine bottles. Yeah, the glass yeah. and tins, al- aluminium tins, yes. Yeah, mm. so that is, that, that is a part of our culture. So, so every Friday, it's a family tradition. I think not just in our family, but every family in Finland and Finland or Denmark. We go Friday evening, take our kids with them. So they will pick up all their things that we have, like, you know, the, like the tin cans and the glass bottles. They will bring it to the shopping center and then we let them to, to recycle there. And then whatever the money they get, that is their candy money. Well, we've kind of started that with our 10 cent refund 
I guess we're at the very yeah. beginning of that phase. Yeah, so 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 that's that's what I mean. Like, because we what is happening is that we have this landfill that is so cheap, right? I think you know. Yes. Only in Queensland, just started last year, the seventy dollar per ton. But before that, what happened? New South Wales had like one sixty transferred uh, ton of material for sending them there. So they used to move the material from New South Wales across the border to Queensland because it was cheap here or nothing, no, no levy at all. And hence, Ipswich has got this unenviable reputation of of being a dump capital. Yeah, that's what. So that's that's what happened. So then you end up with this all this waste coming up from everywhere to to Queensland, and and then uh, then your greenhouse gas emissions from that landfill will be quite much because you you don't even do proper If I can come back to the proposed Ipswich plant, the community opposition uh, appears to be building. And of course, there's complaints about odours. I mentioned the toxic people, and they're saying that people will have uh, problems if they already have respiratory problems. It will affect house and land values. What's been the experience in Europe? I can say that, let's say, maybe 30 years ago, that, that was everywhere. I'm not saying that because the technology... Was not that advanced that time, right? So people living around those waste energy plants because of the growing population, right? You know, even though the plant is at the outskirts of the city, but then as the population is growing and suburbs are are getting expanded, so you end up with someone living very near to to the landfill or waste energy. So so you used to have these issues, especially the dioxin. So in Germany, they have shut down a couple of waste energy plants, to be honest, just because of this this issue. And that's because they were old? Yeah, because yep. of the old tech, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but now, I think nowadays, there's quite much advanced. Like if you take the Singapore now, Singapore has just only one landfill and one, they are building now, a waste energy plant, uh, which is the most advanced technology, and that is being, I think, uh, built by our Australian ACOM is the main uh, consultant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, so imagine that, that Singapore is very, very strict in terms of the environmental impact and human health impact from any any of activities they are doing. So so they have a landfill that is like a, a small, small floating island in, in the water, and that is also filling up, so they have no other choice, but they have to burn their waste. And that's why they have shifted to waste energy plant. And that is the most advanced waste energy plant. And then you, you will not expect, or or if everything goes well, you will not see any any kind of uh, issues on the environment or human health. Well, once the rubbish is burned uh, in these yeah. advanced plants, is there, yeah. is there anything left to dispose of? And if there is, where does it yeah. go? Yeah, so you will, you will end up with a, with a small amount. Right, that's what I'm saying. It, it will be like uh, maybe less than five percent uh, of the waste, uh, and that will be going to the landfill, and that you have to uh, kind of uh, dispose it safely in the landfill. Can a waste to energy plant be compared to any other industries in terms of its impacts on the environment? I mean, we we can compare to a coal fire. It's the same. You have same burning. Uh, uh, but that's just that the, the waste, you don't have this, uh, what do you call uh, the inorganic 
compounds in, in, in a coal, right? So you, you have just pure carbon, so there and sulfur, and then they become sulfur dioxide and carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide in a coal. And then you we produce soot also, right? And particulate matter. Mm-hmm. So these are the major uh, kind of the environmental point of view. For for for, uh, for the waste energy, you have a little bit of high amount of uh, artificial compounds, and that is that is why this carcinogenic and that's the dioxin. Dioxin is not a man, what you call it? It's not a chemical that can be made. It happens only during this this waste energy process, and that has a huge impact on, on the people. So particulate matter, oxides of nitrogen, then uh, sulfur dioxide, all these are the major issues uh, in terms of the waste energy plant. And then you get the end solid uh, material that is, you know, you, you, you burn material and that is has to be disposed safely in, in the landscape. Prasad, is there anything you could summarize to finish the uh, to finish our chat that would allay people's fears about emissions yeah. coming from a modern uh, waste to energy plant with with uh, the strongest emission controls? We we have seen that nowadays these modern uh, waste to energy plants they are able to operate <clears throat> operate well below the emission standards set by by their own country or even so so most of the European uh, waste energy plants, they are actually operating uh, to meet the, the European standards, even even much better than what the European standards are set in. So it's, it's quite, uh, it's not that uh, kind of uh, issue, but it's just, a, I don't know, I can't watch what every waste energy plant can be operated like that, but, but most of the waste energy plants in Europe, they have to strictly abide with the the emission requirements, and they are able to do that. Now, the EU has very high standards on on yeah. most uh, manufacturing, and, and is often looked to as a global leader. Are, are yeah. they a global leader with waste to energy? Yes, I, I I would say that yes, EU is the global leader. Even though they have the highest recycling rate, but they're still looking at this waste energy. So as as a waste in you know, a management aspect. Right, so you can see that. That's uh, so. So they are having really good recycling, and still they have the waste energy. So eighty-one percent is recycled, as I said, and and then you you have uh, uh, just less than five percent going to the landfill, and then maybe fifteen percent is incinerated to make energy. So this is the this is the numbers. Now I got it first. So eighty percent is recycled, fifteen percent. You can see that it is kind of going to waste energy plant, and then remaining five percent is the waste that is going to landfill. So my only concern is that that, that the Australian waste energy or our Australian government should think of that 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 it is not scavenging over the recycling. Right? We should not destroy the recycling uh, the industry. Associate yeah. Professor Prasad Kaparachu from Griffith University, thanks so much for your time today and thank you for talking with Ipswich today. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen. See you then. Bye. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999.
You can subscribe for free and share this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich today from your smart speaker. Suggestions are welcome for future interviews and topics. Just go to the Ipswich Today website or Facebook page and leave a message. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.